Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of October 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's lots of audios for download for free. And remember too, those sites listed on the com site uh, all have uh, transcripts as well in English for print up of a lot of the talks I've given over the years. And if you go into Alan Watt Sentient, Sentinel, .eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. Remember, two, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can purchase the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and that hopefully that'll keep me keep me going for a little while yet, because things are getting awfully tight with austerity and inflation and all the rest of it. But what I try and do is to bring the past to the present to show you you're living through a big, big, long-term business plan. Nothing is left to chance by those who already ruled the world a long time ago, and they even gave you an idea called democracy to keep you from having rebellions every few years. You vote the, the present bunch out, and you get a new guy in, and you have hope that they'll be different from the last bunch. But it's one agenda, because every every um, group that comes in, party that comes in, and every country uh, signs all these treaties and agreements with the United Nations and with various organizations associated with them, and they become binding, and they're running our lives. The private companies and charities and foundations, basically all run by the foundations, are running our lives. And the foundations themselves are the fronts for the big international uh, money bank boys that got together to form the Royal Institute for International Affairs a long time ago, also called the Council on Foreign Relations. Branches across the world, all top politicians are members of it, all the leaders definitely are, and their own historian with their own version of history uh, verified that to Carol Quigley. So we're living through a planned agenda, and the brave new world they're bringing in is not a nice happy world of multiculturalism and friends across the sea and all that. It's, it's the opposite. It's eugenics. It's depopulation for a society that uh, is post-industrial for the vast majority of the public, and they're bringing in a society of high-tech for, uh, to, to manage basically the few very elite families across the world. Uh, they don't need so many laborers anymore and workers for this high-tech society. And they claim that too many people anyway are unproductive. And just like, you know, farm animals, you don't keep them around once they start producing milk if they're cows. You get rid of them. That's what they're doing to the public. Now it's time to convince the public to go along with it and see it their way that, you know, we really should uh, just give ourselves up to, for the euthanasia pill. And be sterilized too. And, and do the right thing. They call it doing the right thing actually. Some of the top eugenicists have come out openly and, and talked about altering your genes to make us do the right thing. In other words, whatever the government tells you to do, you will do. And this is not science fiction. We're in it. This is mainstream stuff. And they can come out with it now because they're the public so brainwashed, shell-shocked and dizzy and dumb that they can actually t- see this in the open. 
and there, there are no riots in the streets or anything going on. People who are, who are coming out talking about killing us off are getting away with it, and the public are not responding at all. It's quite something to live through this. We're the best informed slaves that have ever existed, and this is the scientific dictatorship, because the sciences are ruling your minds, all of your minds, and your bodies now too through your food and vaccinations. And Huxley, for instance, said the same thing, uh, that such a, a dictatorship could last forever. There'd be no reason to see it overthrown. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and as I said, you know, we're living through an amazing time in history where we're overloaded with data to begin with, we're meant to watch data day by day and being downloaded, it doesn't matter how much data you consume, most of your head's going to delete most of it anyway, because you can't handle it all, it's overload of data, and the big boys themselves, including Sunstein and others, uh, who are into neurosciences, uh, have mentioned this, that the average person can't handle it, and what they try and do every day is to get you addicted to, to following them actually, to actually following what they're doing. And it creates fear in you. And, it, and fear itself makes you addictive. You'll turn in, turn in the next day to get more fear. That's a fact, because otherwise you think your life might be at stake if you miss something. So fear is addictive, and, and they know this at the top. It can make sure I should listen or look to more, find out more and more fear. Basically, you know the big agenda. The big agenda was written out a long time ago, and the big players involved in the making of the agenda, right down to intergenerational changes, right up to the present time, where we'd be, who, and these guys lived back in the 1930s, 40s, up to the 1970s, and wrote their books about it. Uh, they gave us the, the present culture, and the, even the culture to come. They're not finished yet. And so they've destroyed everything that bonded people together, right from the family unit to the local communities and so on. It's all been replaced by government agencies, as is said, to, to, to take care of the fallout. And, of course, that's power over the people. It standardizes the power as well. It makes it uniform across uh, not just countries, but the whole world now under UNICEF and various other United Nations programs. And they're on a roll into the scientific rearing of children, etc. As I mentioned last night, Scotland's a test bed for it. From basically from pre-birth, uh, neonatal to 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 hold your life through, they're going to monitor you through with psychologists and psychiatrists and behavior modification experts and all the rest of it to make sure that every child is is completely manufactured the closest you can get to to Huxley's brave new world idea, without actually going into cloning. So we're living through a, an agenda that was spelled out in detail a long time ago. The rest of it is filler. Now, the wars I've mentioned before are, are actually perpetual wars. The, the, the military's magazine itself, the Parameters magazine, came out with that years ago. This is, this is now perpetual war. So for the rest of your lives, get used to perpetual war, because there's a whole list of countries, large and small, to take out yet over many, many, many years. And they've also reared in the West... Uh, the soldiers, they've reared them with Xboxes and all the different video games to make sure uh, that they'll join the military for fun and action and, and all that kind of thing. And, and they've got no end of recruits, actually. They've had no problem with recruits. So 
Everything's planned that way, even altering society to suit the times that are coming. It's interesting if you go into the books written by Bernays, who was the guy who, he was trained by experts behind the scenes. You never have someone like an expert that truly comes out of nowhere. They always say these are genius and all this stuff like Freud and Einstein. These guys are fronts for organizations that already exist. And when you read Bernays stuff, he, this guy understood the human psychology and, 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 psychi- and psychiatry uh, better than even modern psychologists do and psychiatrists because he was, he was trained by the best people who'd studied populations down generations in different countries for thousands of years. And he mentioned all of this too. He says something called social adjustment. That's part of the propagandist or public relations, as they call it now, uh, 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 schedule, is to alter the clientele. Not just the product you're selling to them or the idea you're selling to them. You alter the clientele uh, to suit you and what you're selling them. Part of that has to do with propaganda and school, of course. That's your, how you're prepped for subsequent propaganda throughout your whole life. And you swallow what you're told in school, including your fake histories, and and of course anything down the road that contradicts it, you'll you'll think it's crazy or a conspiracy theory. It works very well. So you're primed for subsequent propaganda by schooling. That's an essential part of it, as Jax Elal said as well. We're all trained that way. So as I say, the main thing is you're living through a, a planned agenda. It's completely eugenical in in, in its essence, and uh, they're on a roll now. Uh, don't get into the arguments even over climate change, uh, for instance. What they give you is, is an agenda. They ha- climate change is an excuse to bring in a big agenda. Global warming is a big excuse to bring in the agenda. As I've said many times before, the Club of Rome came out with this agenda. They were given the task by the United Nations. It's on their own website, and it's, they've got their, their own book out on it too from the Club of Rome to find a way to unite the world and to make the people go under authority, to, to take on an authoritarian type of world government. And the best way to do it, of course, is a war situation. And they blamed man as being at war with the planet, you see. That would fit the bill. They said global warming, pestilence, uh, starvation, drought would fit the bill. Of all the other things they looked at, that's what they chose. That's why nothing's going to change it. So you can use all the logic and reality and reasoning you want. It won't make any difference. It's the same with the ongoing wars. Oh, they shouldn't do that because, or we know that the U.S. or Britain's instigating it. We know all that. Yeah, that isn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter one bit. And folk get caught up in the arguing down below, trying to use reason, rather than saying, this is the agenda, it's written in stone, and regardless of the excuse they use, they're going to go ahead with it, and they do go ahead with it. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So, as I say, we're the best informed slaves that ever existed, and yet there's so many techniques still played on us to get us caught up in it as well, so that we can't reason properly. I've mentioned before uh, that when you watch a horror movie, for instance, it's a very simple recipe. All movies are recipes, formulas, and uh, you can use them same ones over and over again. And with, with horror movies, you always identify with the people in it, the guy generally with the guy, at least it used to be in the old days, and, and the girl with, with the woman, the heroine. And you see them; their lives are in danger, your blood pressure goes up, your pulse goes up, 
and uh, you identify with the situation they're in. Even if it's a lousy movie, you'll watch it to the end because uh, the primitive part of your brain is, is, is adapted to that, to, to look out for it, for injury to yourself, for guarding your own life, flight or flight and all that. And so you can't turn your head away from it. So, in other words, it's the same technique is used for fear, and mainstream is, you, is full of fear, you see. Keeps you on edge every day. You understand, total control always uses fear from governments. And to control people, especially when you're fleecing them as well, because you are in a system of, of a tiny minority of them and all the rest of you. Believe you, that, that's as simple as that. That's how they talk about themselves at the top. And that little bunch at the top are living on, off all of you. They've lived awfully well for an awful long time. And um, the technique is to use fear, uncertainty for losing your home, uh, your job, and all the rest of it. Uh, so many uncertainties, all these added fears and worries. And they keep you going up and down. They haven't given a generation peace for well over a, a couple of hundred years. But a single generation has had peace. And they don't intend to. And the reason for it being, if you're at peace for a while, you will, you, you will begrudgingly, uh, move from the field that you're chewing in, the cud, uh, when they try to get to move to another field with less, uh, grass in it and through the cud. You'll be indignant, you see. So they keep you moving all the time. And even in their own books to do with warfare, at manuals and so on, and writings by experts over the last couple hundred years, they've mentioned this fact. It's very difficult to start a population that are healthy and happy and content and self-sufficient. So you take away their self-sufficiency and then you've got them on edge. Now they have to really worry every day. Do I have that job at the end of the week? Do I not have it? Do I have the house at the end of the week? Do I not have it? Can I pay the rent? Can I pay the mortgage? Whatever it happens to be. They've got you going up and down. And now they've got you with this global casino of the stock market where everything apart, we're told, we're supposed to believe everything's up on it, you see. And it's all run by experts that have, have crashed us many times, plundered us, you can't count how many times. And of course they're going to do it again and again and again. That's all. And then the, the eventual outcome of it will be austerity. It's all your fault. All of you were complicit in causing this to happen because they always blame the victim. That's what the abuser does. Always. And the trick with this one is, is that we're trained to look at the, the perpetrators as experts to help us out of the mess that they claim that we've created. Isn't that wonderful? This is psychological warfare. It's a perfected science. Very old science. And you're taught in every generation that, that, that the system you're born into is normal. Because your parents probably didn't know it wasn't. Their indoctrination worked on them. Now, as I say, we're the most informed slaves that's ever existed. And of course, the problem is, what do you do about it? And everyone's got all the different ideas of what you do about it. The one thing is, you can never say, we should do this, because never in history have the public all got together in any country and stood up collectively against anything. It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. It won't happen. It's not human nature. Those those who are doing better than others are the last ones to try it because they, they, they think, well, I'm okay, Jack. That's how it works too. The ones at the bottom always get hit the first and even they are chaotic even amongst themselves. So 
you'll never get the collective to stand up together and do the right thing on anything, actually. It just doesn't happen. Dzerzhinsky was the one of the top guys for the Soviet system, and he said the same thing in his day because they'd already done it on the Ukrainians and the people in Russia that starved millions to death on purpose. And he says, what, will the people ever rebel against the Soviet system, the Bolshevik system? He says, no. He says, you can beat them. He says, you can starve them. He says, will they, will, you can put their backs against a wall to shoot them. Will they turn around and fight? He says, no, they'll turn around and eat their dead. And now that's a sad statement, but it's awfully true. And government counts on that. All governments, count, all tyrannies count on that. All of them. That's nature. So you have to find other ways around this, even for yourselves. And don't always say we, or all of us. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And I've been going on about depopulation agendas that are out in the open today uh, and blossoming actually all the time. Uh, There's more and more every day, but this one is similar to the one I read yesterday and the day before. It's similar, but it goes a bit further in some areas. This is a 2011 report funded by the European Commission and World Wildlife Fund. Now, the World Wildlife Fund is a private foundation again. The foundations around the world, you understand. Models draconian population control measures, personal carbon taxes. I said that years ago. The whole point is we're all going to undergo under this con of carbon taxes, which is the big stick for control, for control purposes. Nothing to do with carbon in the atmosphere or anything else. It's for control purposes. And, uh, uh, and believe you me, that is going to be one of the biggest sticks that they have. Right down to personal consumption of food and everything. And it says, government-controlled media and the legalization of voluntary and assisted suicide in all EU countries. That's under the super-Soviet uh, parliament they have for all over, all over the EU now. And it says here, the EU-funded think tank project named the One Planet Economy Network produced a document in 2011 which received no attention at all in mainstream or alternative media outlets until now there is. The documentary is titled Scenarios Towards a One Planet Economy in Europe, and I'll put the link up at cuttingthroughmedics.com tonight, consists of several scenarios or paths which the EU may follow to reach an envisioned one planet economy. One planet economy. As you understand, I've said before, your countries are, are, sim- are, are big businesses. Your bosses at the top see the country with all of the little businesses as one business. That's what they, how they see it. And now it's one planet economy, funded by the European Community's Seventh Framework Program. It sounds just like something out of the Soviet Union. And the World Wildlife Fund, the document meticulously follows an Agenda 21 type scenario. This is the agenda for the 21st century. Within the documents uh, saturated with terms like sustainability and ecological footprint, the authors outlined four different paths towards what the group describes as a one-planet economy, as is slated at the very beginning of the report. It says there are four narratives that provide alternative, albeit not necessarily ideal, visions of the transition towards a one-planet economy in Europe by 2050. You're, You're almost there right now. They present both an illustration of life in Europe in 2050 and the policy settings that are necessary to support the transition to this common end point under different assumptions about the future. 
and it says uh, these four narratives are listed. It's number one's clever and caring. Well, we know they've always been clever and caring, right? Uh, two is called fast forward. Three is breaking point. Four is called slow motion. To get a clear image of the draconian means projected towards the envisioned envision global end, it will be necessary to quote the authors here directly and fully, especially from the breaking point scenario. The policy settings mentioned within it include the following. The EU Parliament, right, must take strong measures to limit population growth both in Europe, but more importantly in the rest of the world in the face of increasing demands at a time when technological innovation is stagnant and global shortages such as fossil fuels, agricultural lands are pushing up prices. In some European countries, life expectancy stagnates, in others it falls. Now remember that the agricultural agenda for, for getting rid of the small farms has been going on since World War II, big time. And so they want it, they've said at the top, eventually they want just the big agri-food corporate farms uh, running the world. That's there, that's here already pretty well, almost here. So very few small farms left. So they've got, you, you've got by the short and curlies, they own the food supply of the planet. A little further on, the, the header demographics read the following. Beginning in 2012, one of the measures taken to control population growth was to phase out child benefits for multi-children families. By 2020, benefits were only provided for up to a maximum of two children. As the economy in general has become more labor-intensive, immigration policies were relaxed in order to allow low-skilled labor, especially for the agricultural sector. Well, they're already doing that in Canada. I swear they bring up lots from Mexico. It says this further adds to social tension in the EU. Bilateral trade deals require trading partners to implement population control measures. This is their projection for the future, folks. Although the document, now do you think we ask for volunteers for these population control measures? Although the document shrouds its policy relevant modelling under the internationally vague term scenario, intentionally vague term, I should say, many of the measures mentioned are actually already being implemented when the authors state that the bilateral trade deals require trading partners to implement population control measures, it must be pointed out that such requirements are already in place. In the article, UN and World Bank strangle sovereign nations into accepting global populations reduction dictates. That's a link to, I'll put that up. It says that the author provides uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that such a trade deal is on is the basis of population reduction uh, objectives and are already taking place. In the 2000 World Bank uh, paper called Discussion Paper, and the link is here too, the role of the bank in regards to such requirements is explained in some detail. I've already read that on the air, but I'll put it up tonight too. The bank has a potential comparative advantage to address these issues at the highest levels of country policy setting. Country policy setting. And it says not only with Ministry of Health counterparts, but also with officials from finance and planning. It's important given the increasing recognition that political economy is a critical factor in the implementation of population and reproductive health programs, particularly in high fertility countries. The document states that uh, two nations which are currently under the, pro- the population control regime by the World Bank, the first example is the Niger, the World Bank already has in place so-called benchmarks that the nation in request has to live up to in order to enjoy the continued support of the World Bank. And see, money is a big stick and lending is a big stick and the World Bank is at the head of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. That can control everybody. Back with more after this. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back talking about depopulation. It's all over the mainstream and no one's bothering about it. And that's how dumbed down the population happens to be. I'm not kidding about that. We've been under war by many, many means that, and you've had no idea it was going on because you're trusting. You see, you're trusting. Even the food they give you, you're trusting. They'd never do that to hurt you, would they? They wouldn't change everything to hurt you. Who would do that? You'd say, I wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. That's how simple it is. That's how thinking happens. So it says, um, other bank partners, this is for depopulation, such as the EU, have joined the effort. Finally, population issues have also been given a high priority in the new rural and social policy reform uh, lending uh, credit, is called. It's also called the development policy. Again, the 2011 document stresses that trade has been limited with countries with no population control measures. That's just like putting an embargo on them. Another issue outlined under the breaking point scenario is a dramatic expansion of EU government regulations. It says in 2050, the Europeans will be forced to adopt green lifestyle habits, for example, bans on non-essential individual long-distance travel. By this stage, the air travel has long been too expensive for the majority of people. The state controls or heavily influences all available channels of education, media, and marketing to spread this message to continually reinforce its adoption and mold perceptions of sustainability. Total brainwashing. Constant. The Agenda 21-style population lockup scenario is also being elaborated upon. It says most Europeans live in densely populated urban areas in compact, efficient living quarters. Most households are comprised of three or less family members. Living quarters are modest, energy efficient, and contain small meters, which enable utilities to control load and the state to monitor use, enforce rations, or cut off electricity if necessary. That's just smart meters, folks. It says, let's have that again. The state will monitor, use, enforce rations, or cut off electricity if necessary. Lovely, isn't it? If you enjoyed the before-mentioned issues, you'll love this one, the following one. In 2015, voluntary and assisted suicide became legal in all EU countries. It's already been legalized in Britain, Holland, and some other countries already. By 2020, most media outlets were tightly controlled by the government and used to try to manage behavior change, selling the cool to play with the limits and green means growth messages. Quoting current European Commissioner for the Environment, Potocnik, who states that he attaches more importance to behavior changing policies such as green taxes rather than reactive policies that punish polluters. I'm reminded by recent comments by this very same European Commissar in a speech posted on the European Commission's website, which I'll put up that link to. In his speech, uh, Podochnik um, quoted his good friend Achim Steiner, Executive Director of the United Nations Environment Programme, as saying the idea of governing markets was agreed upon when Agenda 21 was formally created in 1992 at the original Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro. Twenty years ago, we agreed to do uh, now, and what we do now, we have the tools to do it. If we do not go into the heart of economic policy, we'll be here at Rio plus 40. Even more uh, culpable markets are social constructs. They are not a force like gravity. They can be governed. That's total rationing of everything he's talking about, folks. 
In these couple of sentences, in effect, the, the United Nations EP Secretary General reveals several things. First, the current economic disparity offers the tools to roll out an agenda. Agenda 21, which was already agreed upon in the early 1990s. Second, that our dear Secretary General wants to go into the heart of economic policy. And third, that from the onset of Agenda 21, the idea was to govern free markets. In response to the quote by his good friend at the UN, the European Environmental Commissioner piled uh, some more absolutum absolutism onto this already formidable stack of proposals by stating, yes, they can be governed and they must be governed. The last scenario sketched out by the EU-funded project group titled Slow Motion mentions that European monetary policy is strongly aligned with the objectives of the one-planet economy. The European Central Bank and the National Bank took a role designed to steer the European economy towards a path consistent with the one-planet economy goals. None of this stuff is ever mentioned when any of you fools out there vote for politicians. None of this stuff. That's what jobs, welfare, school, you know. They won't tell you about all this stuff. The last scenario sketched out by the EU-funded group, project group titled Slow Motion, mentions that European monetary policy is strongly aligned with the objectives of the one-planet economy, it says. And they go on about the, the one-planet economy goals. The document lists many more things that aren't covered in the article, and it's a challenge to readers to study the document and other documents by the environmental radicals who are now neat little technocrats creeping about in Brussels. You have them in Canada, the States, and elsewhere too. Agenda 21, under whatever's name it's being proposed, it's also the Millennium Goals and a whole bunch of them, is literally embedded with big corporations and government. For this reason, all their statements and publications uh, breathe its inherent tyranny and may therefore be exposed. And remember that Quigley himself, who was all for this world system and who worked for the CFR as their personal historian, and he worked for the U.S. State Department. He trained uh, all the big people who, who travel across the world and, and um, on, on the cultures, their histories of the cultures, everything, and even how to manipulate them. Uh, it was all for it. But he said this new system is a feudal system. But it's corporations, he says. Corporations and CEO leaders will be the new feudal overlords of the planet. I hope you understand this is all real. So this is real stuff. Years ago, too, I mentioned the fact that um, the big boys love to meet. In ancient times, you understand, they used to divert rivers and build artificial islands in the middle of the beds and then put the water back in, re-divert it back in for their capitals. They loved this symbol down through the ages. They even traded Venice, too, by filling it in with logs and stones and all the rest of it. They loved this kind of thing. Another in Wall Street, it's almost an island. Uh, where they are. Uh, but here's Blue Seed, floating builder burger cities where the elite control the masses. Blue Seed in a San Francisco startup corporation is a, is a corporation that starts to, that plans to launch a floating city 12 nautical miles off the coast of California. Blue Seed will revamp a cruise ship or barge to create the offshore city. It will sit in international waters and be a metropolis where foreign and American workers as businessmen can conduct business and theorize new corporations without the pesky need for American work visas. The sustainable design of the ship will allow for an environmentally friendly workplace. <laughs> I mean, you can tell who's running it all. Only passports will be needed for businesses to work from the ship. 
being situated in an international waters means that no taxes will be collected or have to be paid by the corporations involved. Those living on the ship uh, working on the mainland will be given temporary or tourist visas through investors, partners and collaborators. Sitting just across from the Silicon Valley, the floating city will allow entrepreneurs to do what they cannot do in the U.S. because of business restrictions. The ship will showcase all the luxuries of the elite, including pools, massage parlors, gyms, rock climbing walls, and indoor soccer fields, as well as trendy food and other aesthetics. Food and supplies will be provided by local merchants and corporations in the West Coast. It says employees can either use a ferry or a helicopter ride to and from Blue Seed to the mainland, with more than 250 corporations wanting to rent space. The cost of a standard cabin is estimated to be $1,600 per month. Uh, Startups in the U.S., India, the U.K., Australia, Canada, and Spain are eager to be part of this endeavor. Founders of Blue Seed are Marty Max, the son of Cuban immigrants, and Dario Mutazza are gaining momentum in the corporate world for their idea. And this is Peter Thiel, founder of PayPal, is leading the financial research in supporting the Seastead, a self-ruling city on the ocean. Both Max and Mutaz Botza have worked for the, stead, the Seasteading Institute, it's called. Libertarian activist, member of the Bilderberg Group and corporate titan, Peter Thiel, has con- contributed $1.25 million to the Floating City Project. Political inv- influence in the Libertarian, in the uh, libertarian Party uh, ends up with Thiel, who was the biggest campaign contributor to Ron Paul, an influential collaborator who was in secret meetings with Rand Paul just before he publicly endorsed Mitt Romney and in a private conference with Ron Paul three days prior to his announcement that he was ending his campaign for the U.S. president. Blue Seed is a concept for new sovereign nations built on oil rig type platforms anchored in international waters, free from regulations of laws and moral suasion of any landlocked country. There will be small city-states at first, although the aim is to have tens of millions of seasteading residents by 2050. Other members of the libertarian uh, movement are in full support of Thiel. It says the fake revolution established by the ideals cry an anti-government sentiment for the ignorant masses while also promoting their self-proclaimed rise to power. Just as any political party controlled by the global elite, uh, liber- I think they mean libertarians, have escaped uh, comparison to their socialist peers, the Democrats and Republicans. Well, believe you me, it's, it's going to be all of them in on this big deal because they can get a lot done and a lot of cash swapped uh, if it's just off in international waters and they won't be liable to pay anything to anybody, any nation. So that's already underway. And they'll have them all over the world eventually, I'm sure. Now, for all those who haven't got Agenda 21 yet, what's all about? It's all about controlling all of you. And for the rural folk, it's all about taxing you out of existence into the big slum dwellings of the inner cities. That's where you're going to have to go. That's all being planned out for you folks. And all you have to do is double or triple your, your property tax and out the door you go, maybe even without your house if you can't pay it, because they love to steal houses in this democracy. But it says, U.S. receptors map carbon emissions at the street level. This is the big stick. I've said years ago, the carbon one come right, will come right down to you. Believe you me. U.S. scientists have developed new software that can actually accurately measure, accurately measure greenhouse gas emissions down to individual buildings and streets. They're talking about heat and everything. 
The system combines information from public databases with traffic simulations and energy consumption models. Well, they have all that from your smart meters. Researchers believe it could help identify the most efficient or effective places to cut emissions, and it could aid international efforts to verify reductions in carbon. And it says, uh, this is their quote to you, it says, we have to, the confidence in the numerical value of something, we have to have the same level of confidence about a unit of emissions. So they've already, they've already claimed what they know is a unit of emission. And that was from uh, Dr. Kevin Gurney, Arizona State University. While the United States has one, met- uh, has one method of measuring carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases at the national level, there's little consistency at city and local level. Details of the new system are published in the journal Environmental Science and Technology. According to the scientists from Arizona State University, the new measuring system called HESTIA uh, changes all that. It says blue and white. It gives you actual the greenhouse gases and the colors as it shows up on their graphs from this simulation that they have. The research team used data from a number number of sources, including air polluting reports, traffic counts, and tax offices. It's then combined with a modeling system for quantifying CO2 emissions down to the individual building level. The individual building level. And it's tied in with your uh, traffic counts and tax offices. Dr. Kevin Gurney is one of the leaders of the project. He told BBC News that his team knows the system is working because it's consistent with existing information on emissions. We can go into any city in the U.S. and do the quantification. I mean, know it will be utterly consistent from city to city and consistent from city all the way up to the national level, he says. So far, the system has been used in Indianapolis and work has been ongoing with Los Angeles and Phoenix. So researchers are learning a great deal about emissions in the urban environments. Urban is awfully important. You realize how large a source electricity production is tends to swap the signals, signal in cities and things like traffic jams and slowdowns in traffic. That's what really hits you, he says. The scientists behind the system say it can be extremely useful in cities, helping them to target where to make emissions cuts. Once those cuts have been made, the system can verify their effects. And then they show you, they can actually show you all the heating up in the graphs, all lights up in your screen on 3D images how and where emissions are occurring right down to your personal home because it's coming down to personal taxes, folks, and that's going to be the big hammer, big hammer. Believe you me, you have no idea what's coming. You really can't imagine how what's really coming. Another article, too, is this one I've got to, to do with... Uh, yeah, you see so much put out by the big boys. A lot of it's false, but it's on purpose, a lot of it, too. Remember, news doesn't have to be truth. That is a fact. It's the High Court and the Supreme Court in the U.S. said that in our case, that uh, news doesn't have to be truth. It's just news, it's data, right? But this article says, why most published research findings are false. There's an increasing concern that most current published research findings are false. The probability that a research claim is true may depend on study power and bias, the number of other studies on the same question, and importantly, the ratio of true to no relationship amongst relationships probed in each scientific field. In this framework, a research finding is less likely to be true when the studies conducted in a field are smaller, when the effect sizes are smaller, and when there's a greater number and lesser pre-selection of tested relationships. So that's that's from the the more in-depth one. The simple one is next to it, and I'll put that up too. And it says, it's news, but it's true. There's no such thing as slow news day on the health beat. Even if there's no killer viruses on the loose and no deadly bacteria spreading in the food chain, there's always a new study to report. 
every day. They're talking about reporters. We check science news sites like this one, and it gives you a link that gives reporters advance notices about studies about to be published. It's not unusual to see up to a hundred studies stacked like planes over an airport, each one hoping to land in the headlines sometimes over the next few days. And it says experience tells us that if a study is about chocolate, coffee or red wine, it's got an excellent chance of getting into the news, no matter what the finding. It's the same for studies in high prolific uh, profile journals such as Nature, Science, Lancet and certain conditions like breast cancer. Alzheimer's, obesity and autism and if the study claims to have, been, have made a novel first ever discovery then it will probably be in the news but what if a study found that most studies end up being wrong would that study make the news well it happens, very seldom it does they, pro, they promote it all and then generally it's, it's false it doesn't work out that way this is what happened a paper with the startling title Why Most Biomedical Findings Echoed by Newspapers Turn Out to Be False was published a few weeks ago by a French research group, and no, that study did not make it into the headlines. The researchers, led by neurobiologist Francois Gonon, examined the way newspapers reported on a number of high-profile studies on attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. They asked the question, do scientists claim reported in the media end up being proven true over time? Their answer in most cases is no. Then they asked, do the media go back and set the record straight? No, they don't. In other words, we in the media make a big deal over a new research finding, but when it turns out to be less exciting or even wrong after future research, we don't tend to report that. Never mind, doesn't usually make it into the news. How often is research disproven? It happens all the time, according to epidemiologist John Ion Nadis. It says there's an increasing concern that in modern research, false findings may be the majority or even the vast majority of published research claims, he wrote in a 2005 article with the provocative title Why Most Published Research Findings Are False. Now, you have to tie that into Bernays. For those who have never read Bernays, uh, he'll tell you uh, that they were behind putting out, at the very beginning, scientific articles to make purchasers buy things or even demand from their doctors certain drugs and so on. It's never changed. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and there's a caller hanging on from England. Brian in the UK. Are you there, Brian? Hi, Alan. Yes. Hi. Um, I was just listening uh, to what you were saying uh, earlier about uh, people failing to stand together uh, when faced with a a state tyranny. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this uh, for the past few days. It was just kind of ironic that that you'd brought it up today. Yeah. And uh, like you, I came to the conclusion that uh, the public would never resist uh, state tyranny as a unified whole. Yeah. Um, and I was also mindful of the, the social scientist Max Weber. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he spoke about each person having a market position. Mm-hmm. So people with a higher market position would take longer to react to hardship and yep. those on a lower market position. That's right. And so people have different boiling points. Mm-hmm. So that kind of falls in with what you were saying about, you know, people would never stand together at the same time. Um, they would be coming to a boiling point at different points in time. Yes. So you could never get them to respond as a, as a, a unified, unified whole force. Yeah. 
and constantly, people don't know either, your governments, all governments do this, they have ongoing programs to monitor each segment or class, as like they call our society, uh, and uh, to, to make sure uh, when they put programs through, who's going to make most of the, uh, the, the cries about it, what, what particular ones will do it. Uh, and they find even ways to divide the, the different segments before they even put the information out. They work all of it in, out in advance. What will be the reaction amongst this section, that section, and that section? How can we get this section turning against that section? Or how can we even put alternative news out that will grab their attention while we slip this through? I mean, all this, you wouldn't believe the intricacy of control of the population's minds. It, it's, a, it's a complete science, and thousands in every country work on this particular part of it uh, full time. Yeah. It seems to be very effective because when you consider everything that's going on just now with this, uh, I think uh, the Fukushima thing is something that is hardly mentioned in the, the news here. Mm-hmm. In the UK, it's, it's only mentioned briefly, but to me, that is one of the things emerging that's very serious. Yes. Instead, uh, they, they fill the news with a lot of uh, mediocrity, you know. Uh, that's right. And, and plus, you have. Um Osborne over there and other ones uh, rushing ahead with austerity that this brought Spain, uh, Spain to its knees and Italy and Greece. And you will see riots in Britain. They've already had all the, the projections worked out at the top at the Home Office of coming riots. They've been building up for them for 30 years with internal armies. This is the war on terror is really for. It's for the coming chaos. And, and that's the true purpose across the world. And um, and they are going to really let loose on the public when it, when they really bring them down into utter uh, austerity. People will riot, but sporadically in small groups that are getting hit one uh, because they pick you off one at a time. Uh, and they understand they've got scenarios worked out at the top levels of this is how it will happen. They've got it all figured out. Uh, and believe you me, these guys are not wrong. They make that, the things happen at the time that they want to handle them and manage them. So this is all laid out for us. Austerity is going to bring everyone to their knees across the world eventually uh, under under various guises of, of protecting the environment and global warming, etc., etc., and um, sustainability. And then government steps in, and I'm not kidding you, you're going to see within the next few years uh, big programs for volunteers for sterilization within Britain and elsewhere. They already have them already, but they're, they're, they're not... Technically, not associated with government. They're private organisations go around trying to convince people to to have uh, to be sterilised. There's an American group working in Scotland right now, in fact, doing that, picking women off the streets and trying to get them to go and get sterilised. I've read it on the air here, in fact, in the past. Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.